When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let's talk about that speech with Claire and Rachel. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Let's Talk About Speech podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Claire. And we are back for another episode. Last week, we had our very first Q&A episode, which we loved. And we had some really awesome feedback about it. And we're so glad that you guys enjoyed it. So we will definitely continue to do those. But before we dive into this week's episode, Claire, did you have a good weekend? I did. I actually went home to Ohio and made a little pit stop and saw Rachel, which Yay. was so fun. Um, yeah, we have some great posts, I guess, coming at you guys. We, we haven't been in the same room since we started this podcast because I moved to Virginia during the summer. So it's been kind of sad that we haven't gotten to like celebrate this thing yeah. that we're starting together so that it was really nice. And we took some pictures that you'll see soon and we set up a little taco party. It was fun. It was a lot of fun, but, um, yeah, I flew home and that was kind of interesting. Everyone's stay safe out there. The airports are, it's not, it's not bad, but obviously if you can drive, definitely drive and please wear your masks. Obviously we say that all the time, but, but yeah, did you do anything else, Rachel, this weekend besides see me? Um, well, that was <laughs> definitely a highlight, but I feel like I had both a very relaxing and very busy weekend, if that makes yeah. any sense. Um, yeah. It's nice to have a long weekend, but then when it's busy, it goes by too fast. So yeah, for sure. I'm feeling a little exhausted. <laughs> I feel ya. Me too. Well, today guys, this episode is all about the importance of play. And we're really excited. This was actually one of our first, when we were brainstorming ideas for episodes, this was one of the very first episodes we thought about. So we're really excited to talk about this. And I think we got a lot of really good ideas from our listeners. So we appreciate that. You're going to hear some of your toys that you recommended. We're going to kind of bring those up and talk about those. So we'll talk about the importance of play, why we use it in speech therapy, and then a lot on just popular toys and how we use them and how they can support language and learning. So the first thing that we wanted to talk about before we dive into all the fun stuff, all the toys, was kind of just covering what is play-based therapy. And play therapy is a structured and theoretically based approach to therapy that builds on that normal communication and the learning processes of children. And that definition actually comes directly from the Association of Play Therapy. They have an awesome website that we will include with this week's links on our website. So make sure you check that out. 
but basically play therapy is exactly what it sounds like. And another resource I found when we were doing research for this episode was an awesome handout that would be great for either parents or teachers. And it basically just explains the various stages of play and the importance. And it's from Handy Handouts. So they, uh, you know, at the top of the handout, it says in order to plan a play-based therapy session, it's important to understand the five different stages of play. So the first stage or stage one is onlooker play. And this is that watching and observing phase. This usually happens under one year. Then they move to stage two where you have solitary play. And this is where they play by themselves. And this usually happens in between one and two years old. Then next is stage three and that's parallel play. So you play near others, but you're not engaging with them. And that usually happens in between two and three. The next stage is stage four, and that's associative play. And that's playing with others, but sometimes playing by themselves. And that typically happens in between three and four. And then we move to our last stage, which is stage five, cooperative play. And that's playing with others and will not continue to play without a partner. And that is above four years old. And I think that's so important for not just speech therapists to know, but for parents to know as well. Because honestly, with my little ones that I see, toddlers or early intervention, that's literally where I start. So if a four-year-old comes to me and he's still in the solitary stage of play, so he's just playing by himself, my very first goal for him is to get him to the parallel play. I'll eventually obviously get him all the way up to cooperative play, but you want to make sure you start where they're at. We say that all the time. So my first goal would to be to get him kind of out of that stage of just playing by himself and at least playing near me. And then he'd play with me and you'll see that a lot. And I, I do want to account for that for parents. I feel like I've seen this on social media sites and Rachel and I have talked about it, how parents sometimes think all we do is play. Mm -hmm. And you're right. We do play with your child. However, we do it in a way that's intentional. And we are looking for very specific language and learning things to see how your child is developing. So yes, you're right. We definitely play. However, if your child won't play with us, there's no basis for therapy. So that's a really big thing. And it's important to incorporate play so that the child likes you and wants to keep coming back to therapy and so that you make progress. So play-based therapy is beneficial because it helps children for a variety of reasons, but it helps maintain increased attention towards objects and others. So that attention piece is huge for the little ones, especially, and you'll start to see like your toddler as they get older, attend to things more and more. But if you can keep them just with one toy at a time or kind of transition between toys, it really helps increase their attention. It also helps improve cognitive abilities. So this is flexibility, problem solving, pretend play. So like using a banana for a phone, that's awesome. They they understand the concept of a phone, but they're using a banana. It's silly. It's playful, but it's also a huge level of cognition, being able to make something into something else. And then also improving participation in therapy through fun activities. So, you know, when they're coming to speech therapy or occupational therapy, even school, it really, really helps them want to participate when you have something fun. And then you're also building a positive adult child interaction. So parents and SLPs working with kids, you want to build that relationship and you want to build that positive environment for them. And part of that is through play. 
And then socializing with peers, that's huge, especially in a school. So you're bringing in play-based activities and group sessions so that you're having that socialization aspect. And then the last that we kind of talk about is um, progress with their speech and language goals. So this is what we're going to be really honing in on today because some of the most basic toys and the most basic play concepts that you do all the time can really be supporting their speech and language abilities. And maybe you just need to go like one extra little step or do one extra little thing and um, target that, especially if that child is working on it. So it's really exciting. And I love playing and I love being intentional with my play. And I think it's a really cool part of our field is that we are able to use these toys in ways that others might not think about. So we wanted to start off with our favorite toy. And to be honest with you, y'all stole mine because I feel like we had so many responses and I loved it to our post when we asked about your favorite toys and those are all of ours too. So I'll just pull a random one out. Rachel, do you know what the the game is with the pig that eats the hamburgers. I forget what it's called. I think it's called pop the pig. Pop the pig. Pop like the that. pig. Okay. Wait, I wanted to call him. Pep- yeah. I wanted yeah. to po- call him Peppa pig, but I'm like, it's not, it's not Peppa pig. Technically. Yeah. Pop the pig. Okay. So this I love because you can play it with little kids. You can play it with older kids. The pieces are kind of little. So you want to be careful because they, the sandwiches or hamburgers, whatever they are, are little, but kids, love feeding things to anything. So you can do so much with it. And I always make like funny sounds. Like I make him burp when he eats it and then you push his hat down and his belly pops and it's so fun. So it's a great reinforcing, but I also use it as expanding utterances too. So they have to choose what color hamburger they want, and then they have to eat green or eat orange or eat orange hamburger if they're all the way up there, but you can do a lot with it. And yeah, that's my favorite one right now, but I feel like they change all the time. (laughs) I love that. I also think down the road, we need to do an episode on all of the games that we use in therapy, Mm -hmm. because I know I have a ton in my office and I'm always looking to add Facebook Marketplace is an awesome resource yes. not for getting them a little bit cheaper than you would on Amazon or at Target. Mm-hmm. But if I had to pick a favorite toy lately, it's probably been wind-up toys, which I know mm-hmm. is a suggestion from one of our followers. I also love puppets. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I also work with that like early intervention age that is very mm-hmm. interested and intrigued by that. So mm-hmm. I think I love puppets and finger puppets are fun for telepractice too. Well, so are regular puppets Yeah. for telepractice too. So if you guys are still doing telepractice, that's a good one for that. For sure. So we are going to dive in and we're going to go down all the recommendations that you guys had for us and just say different targets that we could use them for that directly relate to speech and language goals or progress that could be made. So the first one was Mr. Potato Head, and that was from Mecca, the SLP, which I love Mr. Potato Head. He actually probably should have been my favorite toy. Um, (laughs) He's always in my like group of stuff that I bring into the room, always, no matter what. For sure. So he was the focus of our Um, Word Wednesday last week, and we have a ton of different targets that you could use Mr. Potato Head for. So you could use him to target on or off when you're putting the different pieces on him or pulling them off. You could use it to review body parts, following directions, different shapes. You could go over basic concepts like colors or same and different. 
Um, I know I have the Mr. Potato Head that came in the little potato shaped suitcase. So it came with two of everything. So like two hats and one's green and one's mm. blue and then two different eyes and what Claire, do you know what I'm talking about? Do you have yeah. One? Yeah. It's great for making choices too. Cause then they can, they can tell you which one they want. Yep. So that was another one is offering choices mm-hmm. more are all done, which is perfect. And you can use that for every single toy that we're going to cover in this episode. Um, prepositions, which is an awesome one. And that doesn't necessarily mean just in relation to putting the items on the potato head. You can also lay them out on the floor and rearrange them in whatever order you're going to use and target prepositions that way. Mm-hmm. You can also go over types of clothing or even the five senses. So that taste, touch, sight, hearing, smell. And you can partner those with other desired items or toys like play food. And play food is actually our next item. Yes. Perfect. And Mr. Potato Head can eat the play food. Seriously. I, I've had kids where we'll start with that and Mr. Potato Head will, will, he will hang out the entire time. He won't leave because they love him. So, so play food came from Speechy Daisy. And I love that Instagram name, by the way, how fun, (laughs) but the play food, I think, For sure, you can get it incorporated in a play kitchen, and that's great. But if you don't have a play kitchen, there's obviously a billion other things you can do with it. But um, if you have a play kitchen, either in your therapy room or parents, if you have one at home, this is such a perfect time for pretend play and to kind of even see where your child is at in their level of play. So just take some food to the kitchen and see what they do with it. See if they play alongside you, see if they want to do it all themselves. Um, It's a really good idea just to kind of test the waters and see where they're at with that. Um, Play food can also be used for feeding your dolls or feeding your Mr. Potato Head or your stuffed animals. I know that I've brought little like stuffed animals into the room or um, I've even incorporated Ned's head into it and fed Ned's head the big pieces if the kids, because sometimes Ned head stuff is gross and kids don't totally get it yeah. um, that are younger, what act- the pieces that actually come with it. So I'll feed him the bigger pieces um, of the play food or even pretending to feed you as the parent or as the SLP. So you're pretending to eat it and you go, um, nom, 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 nom. And then you make a burp noise or you go, ugh, I don't like that. And so you're doing all of these exclamatory noises that's keeping them attended to you. And they're making, or you're making it funny for them. So they're more attended. Um, you can also use this for expanding utterances. So, um, let's say they have the sign more and they are perfect with it. They get each and every time they have that more sign and they get a piece of food, you could add eat to it. So more eat because they're feeding or more food. You could add to that, whether you're doing sign or words, it doesn't matter, but, um, you really can build on it and it's, it's fun to do it in a structured way like that. So like eat apple, eat broccoli eat, whatever else it is. So then it's more patterned and then you're learning that word of eat. So that's a really good way to incorporate it. And then, um, same thing, just kind of making sure that you are assessing where they're at in their turn of play. So the kitchen is hard because you can't totally do turn taking. You can, but if they're at the kitchen or they're feeding something, make sure that you are putting yourself into the situation so that you're a part of it because sometimes kids need help with that. And sometimes they will just gravitate to playing by themselves. So you need to just plop down in there and grab one and have a turn. And that really teaches them that. So I love the play food. That's a necessity for me as well. 
Yeah, and another thing that all of these actually would be great for, but especially play food, and that it goes hand in hand with what you were just saying is establishing that joint attention and getting that back and forth communication as opposed yes. to them playing by themselves. Yeah, so definitely. The next suggestion we had was Play-Doh and that came from a DM. And this is definitely another favorite because it's so versatile and can be used for so many different activities. If anyone listening is familiar with Tandem Speech, her whole mission is playing with purpose. And she wrote a really awesome article and I came across it when we were doing our research. Um, and it's all about playing with purpose with Play-Doh. And we will link that on our website, but I do want to run down some of the ideas that she included really quickly because there were really cool ones that I haven't used before. So the first is following directions. I feel like that's a staple for all of these. You can tie that in in so many different directions. One that I thought was really cool was story retell. And you do this with um, Play-Doh and cookie cutters. So say you're doing one of the, there was an old lady books and say it's a Halloween one and you have Halloween cookie cutters and she swallowed a pumpkin and a spider and a witch's hat and a broom and all of these things. You can have your students or kids um, target their story retail goals with the cookie cutters and the Play-Doh. I thought that was I love idea. that. That is, I've never heard of that either. Yeah, what I an like awesome that. way to incorporate or what a low prep activity too. So to incorporate something you already have instead of like printing off pictures or something. So if you need something quick, that's awesome. I'm going to use that for sure. Yeah. I like that. The next one was targeting multi-syllabic words. So her example, example, excuse me, was hamburger. So you would roll out three little balls and have your students squish, squish, squish when they're saying it. So hamburger. I thought that was really cool. That kind of ties into Another really fun activity that I've used it for, specifically for articulation, and on Teachers Pay Teachers, I found a ton of really cool resources that are called splat maps. Claire, have you mm -hmm. used these? Yes, they're awesome. Yeah, so I, I think I found it around like Halloween time, and they were spiders, and anyways, a splat map is essentially um, the part that you print out from Teachers Pay Teachers has a bunch of circles all over it, or maybe it's spiders, or whatever the theme is maybe shamrocks for um, St. Patty's Day, and you just have the students roll up little balls of Play-Doh, put them on those words, and as they're saying them, they splat them on the mat, which is perfect. Mm -hmm. um, another really cool idea that she had was using Play-Doh to help with awareness for bumpy speech for your fluency kids. So maybe you have a little matchbox car, and you make a smooth road, and then you make a bumpy road. And maybe you're having them practice their fluency reading or sentences or kind of a narrative dialogue. And then you have them take the car and was that smooth or was it bumpy? And that really kind of helps with that visual in comparison to their speech. Another thing she mentioned was just placing the container of the Play-Doh with the lid on in front of the child. And that goes back to that Hannon method that we had talked about a couple episodes ago and just seeing what they'll do. Um, to request if they can't get it open. And that's kind of that initiating conversation or creating a situation kind of like sabotage where they can't mm -hmm. get into it themselves. So they have to request for help in one way or another. Yeah. You're making that communication temptation so that they're like, they have to interact with you or do something with you to get something else out of it. 
Yeah, and then her last idea, which I thought was really cool, was to make Play-Doh, and that kind of goes back um, to what Claire was saying with getting in the kitchen, and you can tie so many of the other objectives we've already talked about, like vocabulary and sequencing and following directions into that activity of making Play-Doh, so I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. You can do so much with Play-Doh and most kids are really familiar with it too. So as soon as you bring it out, mm -hmm. you better be ready to use it because I've accidentally had it out when I'm not ready yet mm -hmm. for the kid to have it. And it's all over because they already saw it. So yeah. I have to do something with it. Mm -hmm. um, the next idea also is from Speechy Daisy. She um, recommended dolls and play animals. So this kind of goes along with the feeding dolls are play animals as well. So you, the first thing you can feed them with the play food you can have, um, along with this, you can make them drink out of a cup or with a spoon. So not just physically putting like the apple on their mouth, but you can also make them things. So with a bowl and a spoon or a cup and use those utensils a little bit. So you're having that pretend use of those objects. Um, you can do body parts. So same thing as Mr. Potato had dolls and most, um, play animals have those body parts actions is huge. So this is the main thing I feel like I do with play animals, um, especially incorporated like in a barn or in a castle. So they go up, they jump up and they jump down or they go behind the barn and in front of the barn or they go, the chicken goes in the nest um, and they walk, 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 or they run, run, run. So you can teach a lot of actions by making it an, making it an example out of these toy animals. And kids think it's really fun when you give the animals voices too. So be animated, even if that's not your thing, you can just be silly, especially if it's just you and the kid and they, you will really get a reaction out of them. If you put it up to your face and you make like a really ridiculous noise for what they're saying or a funny voice for whatever it is that you want them to say. So again, just keeping them engaged is really, really helpful that way. And then following directions. So you, with these play animals, let's say you're using the barn, you can tell them, put the chicken in the nest or put the cow behind the barn. So you can work on those following directions with concepts. Um, and then you can also provide models for what you're doing as well with this, which is what I love about these physical, all of these physical toys. So you are providing a model and I don't want to make, I want to make sure we don't forget that, um, that you always want to make sure you do it first to show them what you expect before they are expected to do it. So you're walking the animal in and then they walk the animal in. So then you're working on those imitation skills. So just always making sure you're modeling because they may not know what to do with it when you just sit it in front of them. And then the last thing I had, I thought it was really funny. I saw this in an ASHA article once and it's always stuck with me. It was in one of the um, ASHA magazines, an article from forever ago, but um, there was a doll. She, I don't know who wrote the article, but she used Sleepy Sue for S's. She had a doll and she named it Sleepy Sue. And so it was like, good night, Sue, Sue, wake up. And you were always practicing the S sound. And I thought it was so cool because what a cool functional way to work on your S sound. And you could do that with anything. So if you're working with a little girl or a little boy who really loves dolls or 
some sort of um, baby, like um, little char- character guys, yeah, or whatever it is, you put a name to that that starts with whatever their target sound is. So maybe it's Katie, if you're working on K's, oh, Katie needs to go here. So then you're always working on that K sound. And I just think that's so fun because drill gets really boring sometimes when you're working on speech sounds, just doing the same flashcards over and over again. And I'm guilty of it too. So just try and incorporate something a little more fun like that. And I love that idea. That's so funny. I remember reading that too. Do you? Yeah. Last fall or maybe. Yeah. It stuck with me because I thought it was so funny and I'm like, what a fun thing to do. Cause then you're like sneaking it in there too. They don't even know they're working on their speech sounds. Yeah. I love that. So the next um, recommendation we had were magnetiles or magnet tiles, if you're not getting the actual brand name, but that came from one of our followers, which it, they're on Instagram at I know I can preschool and I love these and kids love these and you can use them for so many different things. Um, Sometimes I, I just play with them, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> they're so fun. I use them specifically for basic concepts a lot because you can get that compare and contrast on um, size, shape, color. You can also, again, use prepositions. And this is where you can tie in some of the other toys that we've been talking about. So you can tie in maybe some um, play animals like Claire was just talking about, with maybe with a tiger and a penguin, and you make um, two different habitats. And then you can compare and contrast not only the little habitat you had them make, like maybe the penguins is all blue because they live by the ice and the tigers are red and orange because they live in you know the desert or the jungle or hot weather whatever and then you can compare not only the habitats but also the animals um which i love that too and that imaginative play that's so huge for that it's come up with the funniest side stories like they think you should already know that this tiger's named timmy and he has a friend (laughs) so and so i love it i love the imagination um Another thing, again, that's great following directions, whether it's um, one, two, or three step, you can make it, you know, a little bit more challenging depending on whatever level they're at. And another thing that is great, as all of these toys are, are just a reinforcer. Mm -hmm. Um, If you can't tie in an activity that you're working on, or maybe, you know, it's a fifth grade student, but they love playing with magnet tiles for their break or whatever, make sure you tie that in because it's something they're interested in. And another one that I love would be a turn-taking slash like social skills target. So I'll do um, a lunch group and then after they're done eating, they can choose, you know, one bin to play with. And a lot of times they pick magnet tiles and, you know, there's one bin for three people, but they're working together to make, I'll always give them something to make. I want you guys to make a rocket or a castle or four houses and I'll give them directions and they have to work together because there's only one bucket. They don't all get their individual buckets filled with separate materials. And I like that. I think it encourages a lot of communication between those kids that need help with those pragmatic or social language goals for sure. I love doing those kind of projects with social groups. I don't work with social groups anymore. It makes me sad, but I would love doing that. And I think it's so, again, functional instead of just teaching the skill and drilling the skill, then you're actually practicing it and having them communicate with their peers. So that's awesome. Yeah. I remember when I was like fresh out of grad school during my CF, I had, you know, like a couple of kids that were working on pragmatic goals, specifically like making sure you ask your conversational partner questions and comment Mm -hmm. on what they're saying 
and we're mm -hmm. not only talking about what we're interested in. And I remember kind of drilling the questions like, okay, mm -hmm. now I want you to ask me a question about this. What's and, your favorite? What's your yeah, favorite? Yeah. And as yeah. helpful as that is, and that mm -hmm. is, you know, needed in some situations, it's also not very realistic. And right. whatever situation they would be placed in where you're like, okay, now you ask me a right. question instead of we're working on this group project, which ha happens a lot during class or in special with art and you're sharing materials or whatever it may be. So I like that. I think it's really yeah, helpful. That's such a good point. So our next one is a group of toys that can all be used in similar ways. And I use them all for specific um, communication strategies that I implement in therapy sessions. So this comes from speech with tots on Instagram toy vehicles, bubbles, blocks, and balls. So these are all very play-based for some of our younger kids. Some of our older ones too still like to play with these. Um, but we really want to work on incorporating those communication temptations that Rachel was talking about earlier. So with a lot of these bubbles, especially most kids can't get the bubbles open by themselves or they can't blow by themselves. So you just put it in front of them and you see what they do. And if they come and they bring it to you and they don't have their words yet, you put their hand over their chest to do a hand over hand, please. Or you put their hands together to say more. Um, but Bubbles especially are a really good way to make the child communicate with you, even if you're still just teaching them and it's still hand over hand. It gives them that really good opportunity. All of these also teach really good imitation skills. So blowing the bubbles, stacking the blocks, throwing the ball, moving the car. There's so many actions that you can do, simple actions that really little kids can do. And it really builds on their imitation skills. And again, kind of like I was saying with the play kitchen, this is a really good opportunity to kind of go through those stages of play and see where your child is at with these simple activities. So, you know, with blocks, do they just stack them by themselves? and they don't give one to you, or if you take some, they just completely ignore you and still do their own thing. Um, then they're more so in that solitary stage still, or do they come and give you one to help stack them and do they interact with you? So it's a good way to kind of see where they're at with that. Um, but specifically for toy vehicles, I work on all the car noises. So room beep, 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 er, you can do all these fun sounds with it. Again, kids love sounds and those exclamatory noises really come first. So if the child isn't speaking yet, you really want to see if they can imitate maybe just sounds. Um, you can do sound or you can do vehicles on the strings. So like those, I'm pretty sure it's an OT activity, but I love the cars that come on a string because it's more visual for them and you can keep them all in one place. And then you make a necklace or whatever it is and kids love it. Um, trains on a track. I, I, or any of these like ramps, my nephew is all about the cars with ramps. We did this yesterday when I saw him, um, his ramp was like a, um, uh, it like fired the car. Like you brought it back and it ricocheted into each other. Oh. And so he figured out this way to have, have that on each end. So like I had a car and he had a car and we would like put them into each other and they would crash. And he thought it was the funniest thing in the entire world. We did this for at least an hour. He could have done it for longer over and over and over again. And every time we made like a boom noise and crash and he was, he's so funny. He's four and he's just the funniest kid ever. So we were going over the word collision. He was like, what does collision mean? Which is like a little bit advanced for yeah, a toddler, but it. It, 
But again, it's such a good opportunity when you're repeating these activities that they like a lot. What a great opportunity for new language that they don't know yet. Even if it is a big word, it's, it's never too early to start incorporating some of those words. So I just love, I, he loves cars and I love how much he loves them. It's That's so cute. Adorable. And then for bubbles and blocks and balls, those all kind of go along the same, um, the same category for those fine motor and gross motor skills. I remember when I worked in a clinic um, and I did co-treat sessions with PTs or OTs, we did a lot with bubbles and blocks and balls because it would incorporate some of their skills that they were working on at the same time. So let's say that um, the PT was working on jumping. And so I would bring bubbles in and we would jump, jump, jump to get the bubbles. But then she also had to ask for more. So you're working on a couple different things and parents that works on literally everything. So you're, you're putting that pointer finger up. That's fine motor, you're jumping, that's gross motor, and then you're asking for more of that speech. So it's so much for those bubbles. That's, it's just such a great activity and there's so much you can do with it. Um, and then blocks are always fun to like knock down. Kids think it's hilarious. Um, again, a really good gross motor activity. I, we had a big swing in our clinic and we would knock down the blocks with the swing. And the kid thought that was the funniest thing ever. And a lot of times kids will need that sensory input of like kicking something or knocking something down. So get those big, like squishy blocks so that it's safe for them to push things down and they can get that sensory input. Um, and then balls is obviously the greatest activity for turn taking. It's the most basic activity just to teach that back and throwing back and forth. Um, really good to teach that verbal sequence too of red set and then you stop and see if they'll fill in the go for you to really see get that word out too those verbal sequences are great for getting words out if they're not quite there yet but yes those are all that's a lot of them and I love that she gave us so many because I think they all kind of um, overlap and I feel like they all could be used in one session too to target very similar goals. So requesting wants and needs, completing a verbal routine, um, imitation. So all of those can really support those goals. I love those. And kids are always so eager to play with, like, I feel like blocks is such a, they're such a simple therapy yes. mm -hmm. tool or toy and kids love them. Yeah. Love them. So the next one is um, wind up toys, which I mentioned at the beginning, I love, and that came from a follower speech rambles on Instagram. So these are awesome for that early intervention population. And for my private practice, sorry if you guys just heard Henry. <laughs> I heard his little yeah. <laughs> Um, So for my private practice, I actually buy them in bulk and I send one or two home with my family so they can practice the same things that we're working on which my kids love. They think it's so cool that they have a toy that Miss Rachel has. And now it's it, such a good idea. Yeah. Their house. Yeah. Aww. And I've had really good luck at finding these wind up toys in the party favor or like goodie bag section in most stores. So I know this summer I got really cute ones from Target, little dinosaurs or sloths. And then, like I mentioned, I also buy them in bulk from Oriental Trading. And the last batch that I got was a really big bag of ladybugs and they're cool because they go you know you wind them up and they go but then they'll stop and I don't know a little lever or something comes up and they roll backwards and then they go again and so that, fun yeah and that like surprise you know usually I start out with like the sloth of the dinosaur first who just walks and the surprise of the ladybug rolling backwards is they love it every so fun 
So these are also great, like I mentioned earlier, like all of these toys are for that joint attention and also requesting. Wind up toys are awesome because they come to a natural conclusion on their own. So your students get so excited when they're going, but then they stop. And this provides that opportunity or that communication temptation for them to request more, however that may be. And a lot of times it starts off with them just picking it up and looking at it, or they'll pick it up and hand it to you. And although that's not verbal communication, it's still communication. Mm -hmm. And then you tie that to a sign or you tie that to the word more and you just keep using it and building on it and building on it. And they are perfect for that reason alone. They also help children to understand cause and effect um, with, like I said, the toys coming to a natural conclusion. That's the perfect kind of activity to help them kind of grasp that concept. More and all done, like I just mentioned. Go and stop are perfect. Like Claire said, you can wind them up, start them, and go, 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 go. And then when they stop, oh no, they stopped. And kind of wait your kids out. That wait time is so important because you don't want it to stop and say, oh no, it stopped. Immediately pick it back up and do it again because you're not allowing them the opportunity to communicate in whatever regards that would be. Yeah. And especially with the late talkers, I think that's huge. They need the wait time because they're not there yet. They're not where you expect them to be. So you need to give them a chance to catch up. And I, that's a huge thing that I tell parents a lot because I know parents are very go, 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 but you got to give the wait time because you'll see a lot come out of just waiting for a little bit. Yeah. And if you pair these again with magnet tiles or blocks and you built a castle or an area prepositions are always perfect for that also and you can have your little dinosaur sloth or ladybug in the castle or next to the dinosaur or whatever I love that yeah so our last kind of wrap up that I wanted to touch on was it came from therapist approved on our Instagram. That's her account. Um, and she said open-ended toys, which is very broad, but we, I kind of wanted to go over what that is. So open-ended toys are pretty much everything we've just described. And you'll, that's why we have these lists and lists of things that we can do with these toys. So it's a toy that doesn't have just one outcome. So think of an iPad that has these games that you play and then game over because it's, it's over. You did it. You, you finished, you won, you did whatever you had to do with it. Um, that doesn't give an opportunity for a lot of different things to happen or a lot of different communication things to happen. Um, so these kind of toys like blocks and bubbles and wind up toys and everything we just talked about, you can incorporate it into so many different things. You can also incorporate it in, into most of your goals, especially for those little kids. So if your child is working on requesting more, just getting their wants and needs met, you start up these wind up toys and you have them say more for every time that wind up toy stops. So you can incorporate it just in any way to make their communication needs met. So that's really what open-ended toys are. It's, think of it as like an open-ended question. It just allows for a lot of different things to happen. And I think that's really important when picking out your toys is to look for those open-ended toys. Another way to think of this would be typically if the toy requires batteries. So say like I have toys for Henry that require batteries. They're called linkables and you push a button and they sing and then they all sing together. That's a close-ended toy because when you 
plus eight, you're getting, even if it's a different song or whatever, you're still getting the same result as opposed to with blocks, you can stack them in a row. You can build something. You can line up the ABCs. We can sort them by color. Are there more here or less here? As opposed to pushing a button and getting the same yes. outcome. Such a good example. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think that's with a lot of those electronic toys. So mm -hmm. think of it that way for sure yeah. when you're picking out toys. And then the last thing we just kind of wanted to touch on is that you don't need to buy super expensive toys. None of these things that we talked about are expensive or like fancy or electronic or hundreds of dollars. They're all very basic things that I feel like most people would get you at a baby shower or things that you would find, you would walk into a goodwill and probably find some blocks or yeah. in a dollar store, find some bubbles. So we don't, I don't ever expect parents to go out and spend hundreds of dollars on toys. I don't think it's necessary. Um, I know that a lot of families are struggling, especially right now. And if that is your situation, use some things in your home. So if your blocks are gross and you need some new ones, maybe try some Tupperware containers and start stacking them. Or if you don't have the play food and the play spoons and stuff, use what's in your kitchen. You could use blocks inside the bowls and mix them around. So you're like mixing food. Um, you can use blankets for peekaboo or for different games that you run around and put the blanket over it. And then you have to see what it is. Um, boxes, things that you're getting in boxes. Kids love boxes. Boxes, I feel like sometimes more than the actual toy inside. Mm -hmm. I just, you can make a fort, you can hide in there. You can do a lot of things with, bo with boxes. Um, anything, I know my niece loves straws. So my sister has like a drawer of straws and she just, she usually just puts them on the ground and she loves rolling them. Mm -hmm. She loves like poking things. Like it's something safe and she sometimes chews on them. She's at that age, but it's a safe toy and a toy that she already has in her house. So it's essentially a free toy. Um, bubble wrap, that could be a fun bubble thing that you're doing for that pop, pop, pop noise, but it's something that you already have. And then again, guys, you can find toys pretty much at any of those secondhand stores. So Goodwill, Salvation Army, um, Savers, whatever is near you garage sales too. I know those probably aren't going on right now. I did see a sign though, um, recently for one, and I kind of wondered, um, but I guess it's similar to a Goodwill where, you know, when you take it home, just sanitize it, make sure you're wearing your mask. It's still fine. Um, and then like Rachel said in those Facebook groups, so Facebook market, or if you're a part of any, there's a Facebook group for literally everything, yeah, buy and sell out. toys. Yeah. Specifically like the mom to mom group. Yes. So type in your city name, mom to mom. And there's always, I always find awesome things in there. And I do want to stress the point that Claire just made and that you don't have to buy expensive toys. Henry's one, or he's going to be in six days, which is so, oh my God. <laughs> um, so exciting. Yeah. But he <laughs> loves playing peekaboo with like a bird cloth mm -hmm. and hold it up and he pulls it down. He thinks that's the funniest thing ever or plastic cups or plastic spoons yeah. or um, these little ABC magnets that we got in like the dollar spot from Target. Yeah. So there's tons of really awesome things already in your house that you can use and you don't even know it. 
Yeah. And I think that's great. And it makes for really fun, interactive activities, guys. <laughs> and honestly, that's when you're going to get the most out of yes. that imagination, right? Because mm-hmm. if you have a Mr. Potato Head, he's typically only going to be a Mr. Potato Head in comparison to if you have some straws, maybe they're logs and right. you have a little character and he's trying to get over them and oh no, he slipped and yeah, yeah. so it's fun. Love it. I love the imagination. So fun. So that wraps up this episode, you guys. Thanks again for joining us. And as always, you can find me, Rachel, on Instagram at supersweetspeech. And if you or anyone you know is in need of speech therapy in Southeast Michigan, feel free to email me at speechissupersweet at gmail.com. You can also follow the Let's Talk About Speech podcast on Facebook and Instagram. We have some very cool things coming, hint, hint. So make sure you give those a like and a follow. And don't forget to check out our website, letstalkaboutspeech.com. And you can find me, Claire, on Instagram at kindly underscore speech or my Facebook page, Kindly Speech LLC. And if anyone in the Virginia or Ohio area is in need of speech teletherapy, please contact me, kindlyspeechllc at gmail.com. And then Rachel and I also have the email for the podcast if you have any questions or suggestions. Let's talk about speech podcast at gmail.com. As always, we appreciate you guys listening. This has been a fun episode for us and we hope you guys enjoyed it too. Please let us know if you have any questions and we will hear from you soon. Bye.